Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are especially glad that you are here to worship with us today as you braved the rain that we got this morning and some ice. uh, We are glad that you have shown your commitment to our church, to God, and to being here with us this morning. And we are glad that you are here with us today, that you have decided to worship at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. My prayer is that we would all prepare our hearts to worship our Lord this morning. Good morning. Uh, Again, we'd like to welcome everybody to Scout Sunday uh, 2018. I am Daryl Bridges. I'm the Scout Master for Troop 117. I thought I'd tell you a little bit about what we got going on in our troop this year. One of the most noticeable things that you may uh, see that our troop is doing right now is uh, one of our scouts has completed his Eagle Project, which is a re- uh, redoing of the nature trail uh, that uh, the nature trail uh, has uh, long been a a project of the Boy Scouts uh, Troop 117. Um, I uh, as when Trey Peeler is the Eagle Scout that or the scout that's uh, doing his Eagle project when he came to me and, and and said something about doing the nature trail, I told him a little story that that nature trail. Uh, originally was a trail from PA and Georgia Klein's house that their sons uh, had made a trail from their house across the creek and over to the church so they could come into church, walk into church. Uh, and uh, when I was a scout of uh, Troop 117, uh, it, uh, it needed some additions and stuff, some bridges. And so Carl Hedrick, the, the then scoutmaster, said, Daryl, how about you uh, working on doing the nature trail as your service project? And so my Eagle service project was that nature trail uh, to, uh, to expand that trail that they had to make some interests to the church. Then uh, a good friend of mine, John Brooks, uh, built bridges as his Eagle service project on that nature trail. Uh, had a, places, a couple places at the creek that, well, mostly it's a wet weather branch now, but uh, it was... Uh, we made some places to cross, and so he had built bridges for it. Uh, I think back in 2006, uh, Lee Glenn's Eagle Project was to redo that nature trail again. Those bridges uh, that John built in 1975 or six uh, had had rotted away, and so Lee cleared the trail and built new bridges for it. And then his brother James of his Eagle Project built a fire pit and put some benches there for the GAs to be able to go down there and, uh, and have campfires uh, as his Eagle Project, I think in 2008. Uh, and, and so uh, hadn't been nothing really done on it since 2008. And so the bridges had uh, rotten out in places. And so uh, Trey's Eagle Project was to redo that, build two new bridges, uh, clear the trail and widen it out some uh, and so that it's wide enough for two people to walk uh, side by side. It is marked uh, with some markers that were a donation from the Broad River Greenway. There's blue hiking symbols uh, nailed to the trees along the trail uh, and, and the entrance is marked uh, at, right beside the picnic shelter. Um, so if, uh, if it's a nice sunny day and you have uh, an opportunity to go walk the trail uh, and utilize part of the grounds that we have uh, here at the church. Uh, we have a lot of land that is 
it's nice just to be able to walk and enjoy God's creation. Uh, so we're very thankful for Trey and his uh, service to to our church and 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 to redo this uh, nature trail. And uh, and I hope it is utilized well by our church and, and our community. Um, as far as the troop goes, um, we uh, we've had a great year. Uh, we went to camp uh, last summer and did something that we had never done before. Uh, they award every year uh, troop awards for the troops that have the most points at scout camp. And we have several times uh, in the past several years got best of Bud Shield week five, but this year we also took what is what we call the cleanest campsite. And uh, the, uh, the award that they give us is actually a toilet seat. Uh, if our scouts learn to, uh, to take care of their campsite, clean the toilets and, uh, and the showers, and keep the campsite picked up of any trash. And so uh, on the point system, 117 this year was not only the best of us here, but we also got to clean this campsite and we had never done that before. So we were very proud of that. We took uh, about 11 boys to scout camp, which is one of the smallest troops that I've ever taken with me. Uh, and uh, But uh, it wasn't... Uh, quantity this year it was quality of scouts and they they did a great job and and so we uh we tried to take everything at scout camp uh, i had one leader set, tell me he said y'all try to take it all and i said well we give you an opportunity but uh, if you don't take it we'll take it home with us so <laughs> so we're very proud of this group of scouts that we have we also have a cub pack that is is active now uh, we rechartered 29 members in it and so we're looking forward to uh more years of scouting in Bowling Springs. This year marks uh, the 75th anniversary of our troop. I don't know exact the exact date. I have to get uh, in with the council, sit down with the council, but we are gonna celebrate our 75th anniversary uh, this year. And so we're very proud of the, the tenure that we have at our church of being a, a church that sponsors a, a Boy Scout organization. And so we thank you for your support. Uh, we're glad again that you're here. And uh, we just ask you to worship with us today. Thank you. Since this is the 28 Days of Love, last year we learned a song called Circle of Love. And so we would like for you to um, sing it with us at the beginning of the service today. The words are in the order of service. The choir will lead you, but you're invited to sing with us. So please uh, sing out uh, enthusiastically and we'll make up for the people who aren't here.
invite you to join us in singing the opening hymn, Love is the Theme, 545.
be seated. I'd like to invite all of our children to come down front for the children's sermon this morning. Ellen and I are switching places, so I don't mean to be the tall, scary man this morning. Uh, but I would invite all the children to come down. I've got some questions. I don't have the cool little objects that Miss Ellen likes to have, so maybe she'll bring those back next week. But you want to come over here and join us? But I want to ask you something. Well, first of all, let me welcome our scouts. Um, glad you guys are here this morning. And Daryl, thank you for your words. Um, this month is an exciting month for us as a church. We did this last year. We're doing it again this year. It's called 28 Days of Love. And February is unlike any other month of the year. We only have 28 days. I know you guys, some of you are trying to figure out what months even are. But 20, February only has 28 days. And so we are challenging our church and community to show acts of love and do kind things for people for 28 days. Not that you don't do them the other days of the year. But we're doing some special things this month to show love to others. And I want you guys, I want to challenge you guys to do something with me this morning. Now, most of you eat some meals with your family. I hope every night you're able to do that. But it's important to have meals together as a family. And one of the things that we share when we eat together is about our day. We share about our day, some things that happen. Some of you guys are maybe in daycare or you go to school and you share things about your day. And I want to challenge not only you guys, the children and, their, and your families this morning, but the whole church to do something that's very child friendly and will help us get to know our families and encourage and support one another. But how many of you guys, when you're hurt, what do you call it when you get a scratch or a bruise or a scrape on your hand? What do you call it? A boo-boo? Do you guys have boo-boo sometimes? Okay. Well, one of the things that I want you to do when you have dinner each night with your family, okay? When you think about your day and what kind of day that you had, I want you to share one boo-boo from your day. It could be a time where you really got hurt, but it could be a time maybe where somebody hurt your feelings or where something just didn't go your way. So that would be classified as a boo-boo, okay? So at dinner at night this month, okay, I want you to do this with your families and I hope moms and dads are listening, but I want you to share a boo-boo from your day something that just didn't go well, or maybe you did fall and get hurt, okay? But then I also want you to share one woohoo from your day. This is a new one. Do you know what a woohoo is? When something good happens, we jump up and down and some, your parents may go, woohoo, you know, you come home with a great, with a good, really good grade, or you listen well, or your teachers have a little comment about how great you did that day. That's a woohoo moment, especially for mom and dad, okay? And it's a woohoo moment for you. So as you go to dinner, each, as you have dinner with your family each night, okay, and this is for the whole church as well, you know, husbands and wives, you can do this, but uh, share a boo-boo and share a woo-hoo about your day. And as we do that, as we share our boo-boos, we'll encourage each other about maybe some bad things that happened during the day. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to encourage each other and challenge each other and maybe lift each other up about that boo-boo. But then we also may have a lot of woohoos. And you know what? When we share woohoos, the whole family rejoices about whatever great thing it is that, that happened, okay? In my sermon this morning, I'm talking about a man who was by the roadside and he had a lot of boo-boos. He had a lot of boo-boos. And you know what? There was a man called a good, uh, excuse me, a Samaritan that came by and helped him with his boo-boos. And you know what Jesus told us to do about people who have boo-boos? And what he told this man, he said, go and do likewise meaning that we are to go and help others that have boo-boos, okay? So this month, what are you going to do at dinner each night? You're going to talk about two things, your boo-boos and your woo-hoos. Can you do that? All right. Can you guys do that? Can you guys do that? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, let's pray together. God, we're grateful for this morning to be together. We're grateful for uh, each one that's in this place, that you've allowed us to be here and to arrive safely 
We thank you for the rain that you're sending us and Lord for keeping us safe again this morning. I thank you for the children who are here today. I didn't know if we would have any today and I'm grateful for each one that's here. Lord, we ask for your blessing on this month as we seek to share and show others the love of Christ through our words and our actions. Lord, I pray that each of these families and all of us here as we uh, share a meal together with our family, or maybe even our family now is some friends or others that we consider family, but Lord, that we would do uh, the, uh, have the conversations about, Lord, those good things that happened in the days, those woohoo moments, but Lord, also the boo-boos that happened in the day as well. And Lord, may we lift up others and encourage others as we travel this journey together. Lord, I'm grateful for these children and help us to be what you challenge us in, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, to go and to do likewise and to be that good neighbor. Lord, we love you. Bless now these children and families in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You were great listeners. Psalm 100, starting with verse 4. Give thanks as you enter the gates of his temple. Give praise as you enter his courtyards. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The Lord is good. His faithful, his faithful love continues forever. It will last for all time to come. Join me in prayer. We pray, Lord, today for those in our community and church who are sick, the children, the young adults, the older ones who are suffering. Be with them and their family and their caregivers. Give them strength, give them healing. Warn them to know that you are with them and will take care of them. We pray, Lord, for those who are brokenhearted because of a loss. Speak tender words to those who are broken with grief and relationship. Speak words of assurance to the heart sick over struggles. Speak words of strength to those overcome by anxiety and remind every single one of us that you keep inviting us to be mine. We pray for the poor. No matter where they live, we ask that you help them, give them strength. We pray especially for those in our community, those right here at our door, that they know we are here for them. We pray for Tony, for Sophie, for Deb, the others who come to the food closet on a regular basis. Give them peace, give them strength. We pray for them who need to rebuild their lives. Be their guiding hand and lead them. We pray for our church, our leaders, our committees, our children, our teenagers, our staff. Allow them to listen and follow your direction. For groups of people throughout our church who bring light to this town, to people who walk every day in their faith. We pray for individuals waking each day and dedicating themselves to another day of your faith. Help us through our efforts to grow in discipleship and service. Help us to continue to welcome strangers who knock on our door. Help us, Lord, with humility to relish the gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ, who came to show us your nature, your love, your grace. And it's through my faith, your faith, that we ask these things in his name, Jesus. Amen. 
Our next hymn can be found in your order of service on one of the inserts or on the um, screens on either side of the sanctuary. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone.
Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting us gather in your house this morning and for keeping everyone safe as we traveled here. Thank you for these scouts. Help them to continue to grow in your word and in the community and just be with them throughout their journey. Um, just keep us safe as we leave here today and help us to have the strength to deliver your word to the far corners of the community as well as the far corners of the world. Amen.
If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10. These words will be on the screen, but uh, you may have your Bible or your device that you would choose to read scripture from this morning. And I invite you to join me as I read Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 30, 37. This is one of the most familiar passages, one of the most familiar parables that Christ told Many who are unbelievers and many who have no affiliation with the church have heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But Luke chapter 10, begin reading at verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And the man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have, Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him and when he saw him, he was moved with pity or compassion or mercy. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and having poured oil and wine on them, he put them on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. There's just too little love But what the world needs now Is love, sweet, sweet love No, not just for some But for everyone Thought you might enjoy that this morning um, Growing up in my home uh, at 6 p.m., I would come in from playing outside and I could tell what time it was by what I could hear from the TV. Some of you may remember that. Now news starts at like 4.30 and I mean, it's like news all the time. But coming in from outside, if mom said, come on in, supper's ready. And I would come in the house and I could hear the news. I knew that it was sometime between 6 and 6.30. And if Dan Rather or Peter Jennings or whoever it was at the time was on, I would know that it's between 6.30 and 7. And so... Uh, one of the things growing up, it didn't seem to be as bad then, but it just, it's awful now. I don't watch the evening news. I choose to get my news like many of you from your phone or your tablet or your, uh, some newspaper, but typically I get the news, both Shelby Star and whatever national news now on my phone. And so I don't make it a point to at six o'clock be in front of the TV and I can choose what I want to hear about and read about as well. I don't have to listen to who killed who and all the horrible stuff that's going on in the, in the world today. But what does happen on occasion on the news and still today 
is a story, and sometimes they'll even say, entitle the story, something about, it'll have the word Samaritan in it, the good Samaritan. And it'll be someone who helped someone, rescued somebody that was in danger. It will be somebody that was stranded. And uh, a young, oftentimes it'll be even better if it was a, a young child involved in the story who helped someone and they'll interview the young child. But I choose not to watch the evening news today because of that. But the, the, the phrase, the two words, good Samaritan, is something that is synonymous with compassion and kindness and mercy. And I think it's appropriate today we're talking about what it means to be a good neighbor on Scout Sunday. And the Scouts uh, are great examples of that. You guys have been good neighbors uh, for years here in Boiling Springs and, and, and in a literal sense too, collecting canned foods and, and doing things to show love for neighbor and help for others, I think, which is a part of the, the Scout Oath from what I remembered hearing this morning. But uh, hospitals as well choose to use the term Good Samaritan. A lot of hospitals throughout, um, I'm trying to think if there's any in North Carolina, but I know throughout our country will have the name Samaritan somewhere in the title, which denotes compassion, denotes mercy. To many who may be even unfamiliar with the story in the scriptures of the Good Samaritan, they, they can look it up and begin to discover this is the origin and this is the history from, from the use of that word Samaritan. And not only uh, hospitals, but I've learned this week that all 50 states have some form of a Good Samaritan law. I don't think our um, uh, law enforcement uh, guys here this morning, but some of you have a history in that, and, and you could give testimony to the fact that there are laws called the Good Samaritan laws. And uh, they, they vary from state to state, but what they are similar, if, if someone is, is helping someone that's in distress, and there is certain uh, legalities or helps for them that if they do something that's not helpful to the one in distress, that they're not held liable. They were seeking out of good conscience and good faith to help this person, but maybe they didn't do the repetitions just right, or maybe they didn't do something just right. They are not held liable. And it also, I think, helps those who, um, uh, you know, maybe they stood between or maybe they had to, to injure someone who was seeking to harm a large group of people and they injured that person. They are not held liable from what I understand because of what they have done. Now, someone who knows legal terms better could better describe that. But we have good Samaritan laws in our country. And again, they come from this parable of the good Samaritan. There are multiple points and lessons that emerge from this parable. And I want to highlight what I believe this morning are three key lessons. The first is the most obvious and has been told down through the ages, being that believers are called to show love and compassion to anyone who has need. Believers are called to show love and compassion to anyone who has need. There's an, obviously an obvious example here that we're supposed to imitate. The very last line of the parable that I referenced during the children's sermon this morning Verse 37, Jesus told the lawyer to go and do likewise. To go do what likewise? Uh, we're, we're, not, we're now in the 21st century. If we were then, you know, we, we I guess, should, should find a donkey or have oil and wine with us to, to help someone and find a donkey, an innkeeper, and to give them two silver coins. That's not what Jesus wants us to do now. But what would that look like for today? We must ask ourselves, what would a modern day example look like? And by far the most common illustration of this parable has always been the stranded motorist by the side of the road and are we gonna stop and, and, and offer assistance? Uh, being that I have been driving now for 27 years, I think that if my math was right this week, um, I have done this uh, only a few times and I've had assistance offered to me and then there's been a few times where I have offered assistance to others as well who were stranded. And a lot of times growing up in Hendersonville that was due to the mountain snows. Uh, that was due to somebody being stuck in a ditch and needed a little push 
And so more than once I found myself behind a car helping someone out of a ditch uh, on a morning which could have been a morning similar to what we might have had today, but we are thankful that we didn't. I, me- I remember a time as a youth minister, I was going to take a group, a small group of youth skiing. And we were going up a road and the person in front of me did something that you do not do when there's snow on a road, and that is you stop. They stopped. And so therefore, obviously I had to stop. And when I started again, I was of course spinning. But what the van decided to do was to go a little sideways. And so now one wheel is, is beginning to go near a curb. And so when I would take my foot off the brake and hit the gas, it was just spinning. And then of course I had to have one or the other or else what would have happened is the van would have gone down a, a steep incline into an icy pond. And so I often talk about scripture memory with this illustration and say that the verse came to my mind to live as Christ and die as gain. I thought, well, if I live, this will be great. But if I don't, I'm ready to go. Um, But I slowly had everybody in the van. There was only about six of us. I slowly had everybody in the van get out. And so I tried again, taking my foot off the, easing my foot off the, you you can't see my feet, but I'm doing it. Um, You know, but taking my foot off the brake and hitting the gas and, 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 and doing this kind of, and I wasn't going anywhere and I was going a little bit further down that hill. But I'm grateful for a good Samaritan that came by in a heavy truck with uh, dirt in the back and hooked the chains up and pulled me out. And uh, many of you could give examples. My dad has had another example. And again, it involves the ice. Uh, of a tree falling on his truck and some good Samaritans coming to his aid. But uh, some of you, if we had time, could give examples of that this morning. Renee's brother, Michael, and uh, Renee and Aiden are not here today. Aiden is still getting over from flu and which turned into pneumonia. And we didn't think this would be the best day for him to get out. So thank you for your prayers for him. But Renee's brother, Michael, was probably one of the best Samaritans, good Samaritans that I know. Uh, Just recently, back before it turned cold, we went up to Hendersonville and um, Aiden had the opportunity, Michael's getting into golf and Aiden had the opportunity to go and play golf with his uncle Michael. And so we did that. Well, they did that, Renee and Aiden and Michael. And so on the way, there was someone who was needed gas and Michael stopped, they didn't have anything to put it in. And so he went to the gas station, bought a can, put gas in it, gave it back to the man. He offered him money, he wouldn't take it. And some of you have those good Samaritans in your family. And you may be that good Samaritan this morning that if someone is in need, you will respond. But the road that Jesus describes in this parable has some similarities maybe to a mountain road, not so much with lush greenery and, um, and, and great inclines and declines, but nevertheless, there was uh, that decline there that we learn about, I'll tell you about in just a moment. Um, the, uh, instead of a rugged, but instead it was a rugged desert road, a road that was narrow and curvy, a road that did descend 3,300 feet in just 17 miles. This road would go, and you can still see this road. I've seen it back in 99 when I was in Israel. Uh, There is a wider road that buses can now take, but you can see over to this original road, and you can see how steep it is. And you can also see that there's a mountain on one side and a cliff on the other. And so you can see how dangerous a road it could have been for the people of this day. Uh, It was called, the nickname for the road was called the way of blood because there was a lot of blood that was shed because of robbers and thieves that would attack and prey on people, especially those traveling in small groups or traveling alone. It was a dangerous, dangerous road. We need to think beyond roadside roadside breakdowns this morning when we hear the parable of the Good Samaritan. A matter of fact, verse 34 and 35 could be described in a dozen of different ways. But what is crucial in making the Samaritan such a powerful story was his attitude. 
was his attitude. Verse 33 says that he took pity on him, or it could say that he had compassion on him. And we find ourselves today in need of people around us each day. It may not be that we find someone, someone bruised and bloody by the side of the road, but yet we see people each day whom we need to have compassion on. People who are a lot different than us, as we'll come to learn here in this parable as well. Do we share the Samaritan's compassion for the many needy people in our world? Or have we grown cold and callous from watching countless acts of violence, either on video games, movies, or possibly the real life evening news? In scouting as well, as I referenced earlier, each of you are learning how to be that good Samaritan, to care enough to help a person who needs it, to know what to do and how to do it. Being prepared, I think, is somewhere in that scout motto or oath that I heard this morning. Part of the scout oath I know that I heard, it says to help other people at all times. I specifically remember that. Let me ask a question to each of us this morning for this first point. Is there an area in each of our lives where we are consistently helping someone, showing compassion for hurting people? Are you taking opportunities at work when someone is having a boo-boo day <laughs> or someone had a boo-boo? Are we taking opportunities, whether it's at work or at home or in our community, in our world today, to show compassion to hurting people? Jesus could have told this story with just simply the Good Samaritan. But why did he include the priest and the Levite who walked by and did absolutely nothing? Individuals who by their very nature of their office should have responded quickly to this man's needs. And that leads us into our second lesson. Religion often gets in the way of demonstrating God's love and compassion for people. Religion can often get in the way of delivering and communicating love and compassion to people. This week I watched a short video and it was something about the video didn't lead me to show it in service this morning, but it showed, a, of course, a, a mom who was by herself. Well, she had her child with her in the back of the van and, and of course had broken down because again, that's the common thing we hear about the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's the common thing that many of us think about. But I watched the video and I want to mention something from it. Uh, two cyclists went by, the pedaling cyclists, not motorbike people, but two cyclists went by and they just kind of looked at the lady and went on and she's kind of like doing this like she needs help and they didn't stop. The next person that went by was a man in his um, uh, very clean car, uh, had on his nice suit and when he looked at his watch, it kind of gives you the impression, the, the way the video was done is that uh, he had somewhere to be and that somewhere might have been church because he was dressed nice. He had his ni a very nice watch on. He, he sees the lady. He kind of does this and he keeps driving. And as the car goes by, the bumper sticker on the back says, real men love Jesus. <laughs> anyway, nope, you'll get that in a minute. But, um, you know, this is somebody you thought might would have helped this young lady with the child who was kind of waving the man down and he goes on by and who ends up helping the lady it was a group of bikers that come by and they all had like spikes on their helmets and sleeves cut out on their big arms on their shirts with the handlebars up here, you know. And then finally one of them looks and nods at the other one and turns around and comes back and helps the lady. She had her window rolled up at the time though, but she did roll it back down and, and, um, and, and uh, we helped the lady. But religion can often get in the way. You know, I thought about that video and how true is that sometimes for us? You know, we're thinking about, well, I gotta get to that deacon's meeting, right? I gotta get to that meeting, committee meeting at church and yet all of a sudden the Lord presents us with some opportunity to help someone and yet our religion or our church gets in the way sometimes or could of helping someone uh, who is in need. 
These two, these, this priest and Levite aren't just normal passers-by, but present religious leadership. These were two people we would think would have helped, would have certainly stopped to help the one who was laying by the roadside. There were so many priests in Jesus' day that not all of them lived in Jerusalem. Some commuted from cities nearby. And here we have, most likely, a priest and a Levite who lived in or somewhere around Jericho. And so it's not that they were rushing to the temple to perform their duties and that, the, that, that their religion got in the way, as, as it can at sometimes, but they were obviously leaving Jerusalem, the scripture tells us, going down to Jericho. So they could have possibly very well been going home, but yet... The scripture says, when you study it very closely, that not only did they pass by, but they walked by, they, they intentionally went to the other side of the road as they went by the one who was fallen and beaten. The man described, the scripture says, as half dead. They could have been concerned that, you know, they could have been concerned that he was dead or that he would soon be dead and they did not want to defile themselves and become ritually unclean. Jewish laws were held in high regard and they were certainly priest and Levite, a Levite and they did that as well. Uh, they have to go through a process to become clean and they didn't, maybe they didn't want to do that. Besides to become involved would have been to invest and the person was most likely not a Jew. So why would they stop? How often do we not get involved sometimes because we have to invest? We have to, to give something of ourselves that's out of the norm, that's out of the ordinary. And so therefore we go about our normal business. Craig Bloomberg asked a great question. He asked how much of doing church, in fact, gets in the way of really performing the Lord's work. The next question is for myself and others that goes along with this. It says, how often are we around people who do not know Christ? If you work daily with people not Christians, we need to take advantage of that opportunity. And if we're not around unbelievers, then we need to take opportunities to be around people who need to hear and see the love of Christ in us and from us. Think about what's going on in this parable. It sounds a little bit like a setup for a, for a bad joke. You know, these two, two priests and a, and a um, Samaritan were walking down a road, you know, and they see this man. I mean, it's, it's almost like this, this setup that we have here um, is known. This setup is known as the parable of the good Samaritans. Good Samaritan, two words that simply do not go together. It's kind of oxymoronic, kind of like the two words freezer burn or, or um, uh, almost, um, what's the right word? What's what I'm trying to think of? Uh, almost exact or something like that, but, or cruel kindness. Uh, but a Samaritan is a descendant of, an, of unlawful intermarriages and Gentiles from centuries earlier. And there was great animosity and great hatred and great, this was the enemy for a Jew to be even, for the fact that Jesus even mentioned a Samaritan in this, in this parable to explain it uh, to the religious leader that he was explaining it to was um, something abhorrible. We see that at the very end of the parable and the, the man who, when Jesus asked him, who was a neighbor to the one who was by the road? He couldn't even say Samaritan. He said the one who showed him compassion. And so there was great hatred for this Samaritan. And the last point goes along with what I just said is even my enemy is my neighbor. Even my enemy is my neighbor. Remember the story was told to answer a question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus in his sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, he says, you have heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
And later he says, if you love those who love you, what good is that? Even the tax collectors, or what he was saying is even the sinners do that. There was such great hate for the Samaritans. It's hard, it's a hard message for us today. It would be like um, Jesus putting a member of ISIS in the story. It could be uh, of the one helping the injured man. Uh, whoever it is, we, we don't like. For a Palestinian audience, it would be retelling the story. They could put the hero as a Jew. And that would be abhorrible to them. I read this week of a missionary in Lebanon who um, ministers among Palestinians. And he would say, if he told the story, he would not put the Jew as the hero because it would just immediately turn them off and it would immediately cause them not to hear the message of the story. Most first century Jews would not fathom the Samaritan as their neighbor. By making the Samaritan the hero of the passage, Jesus may have been saying one's enemy is the most important neighbor of all especially if Christianity has turned us into people who are different from the unredeemed. How does our life look different from the unredeemed? How can we come alongside others who are walking on dangerous roads? Some may be physical or literal dangerous roads, but some may be dangerous in other ways. Become involved in local schools. Be involved in our community. How can we care for and support families and marriages? How can we come alongside Daryl Bridges and our scouts who are seeking to be good neighbors in our community? To quote my friend and pastor Jeff Harris, who's now in South Carolina, he says, I'm probably not the only one who wishes Jesus would leave some wiggle room about whom we are called to love, but he doesn't. If we're all honest and we were sitting around in a smaller group this evening and we could talk about who are, who are some of those people who are hard to love. I referenced, any, well, anyone related to terrorism. It may be that we could come up with a long list of others who we would find very difficult to love. But let us show compassion and mercy to those to whom are hurting, to those who are different and those to whom we might very well disagree. Let us have eyes to see those who need to be shown compassion and let us be willing to be that good Samaritan, not to be featured on the evening news, but because Jesus simply said for us, for you and I to go and do likewise. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this parable for, for centuries, Lord, it has challenged your people to show compassion and to show mercy to those like us and to those who are very unlike us, to those who we may very well consider our enemy. Forgive us, Lord, this morning for when our religious duties at times have gotten in the way of showing compassion and kindness and mercy to others. Father, help us to see the opportunities that are before us each and every day, each and every week, opportunities to listen, opportunities to involve ourselves, to actually get involved in a situation, not knowing how things are gonna play out, but Lord, to get involved, to get into the midst of the mess and the muck that sometimes a situation may require. Lord, help us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we may respond in ways that would bring honor and glory to you. Father, help us all to remember your final words of this parable, where you challenged us to go and to do likewise. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.
If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would invite you and I would be my honor to talk with you more about how you can know for sure today that when this life comes to an end that you'll spend eternity in heaven. I would love the opportunity to share with you what it means to follow Christ, what it means to know Christ and what it means to follow Christ. And so if that's you this morning, I invite you to come. If you're here today and desire church membership, I would love to talk with you about that as well. Let's stand and sing together hymn number 489, Lord, I want to be a Christian. Let's stand and sing together. seated for just a, a quick moment. I want to ask Mariah Case to come and join me up here. And Jeremiah, you're welcome to come up here with her. Okay. All right. But uh, Jeremiah Hamby and Mariah have, have been dating, but Jeremiah has joined us a few months back. But Mariah Case comes today to join with the Fellowship of Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Uh, Mariah has put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. She has been baptized and she is desiring membership to continue to grow and not only grow, but to have opportunities to serve here with us at Boiling Springs Baptist. And so Mariah, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here today. What is the pleasure of the church in regards to Mariah coming to, to join our fellowship? All right, second. And all those in favor, if you would say amen. amen. Any likewise? Mariah, welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We're glad that you're here. I know that um, 
she has already been uh, contacted by Alan Newcomb and is beginning to find some opportunities for service here among our youth and in other ways. And so it has been a delight to get to know Mariah. And one of the uh, things that we share in common is that Mariah is from one of the greatest places in North Carolina, and that's Hendersonville. Um, okay. okay, right up there beside Cleveland County, you know, right up there beside. Um, but uh, uh, we have talked about that and has a history not only at First Baptist Hendersonville, but also, also at Balfour Baptist at one time. And so, uh, Mariah, we are glad to have you here with us at Boiling Springs. We look forward to providing some opportunities for, for growth and service. And so we'll then give you an op- our church people an opportunity to come by and greet Mariah here in just a moment. But you can, um, can, can be seated. Uh, it has been a pleasure uh, today. Uh, Daryl, thank you. Scouts, thank you and for your leadership with, uh, in leading this morning. And uh, if there's ways that we can help you, Daryl, or help our scouting families, please let us know because we're glad that you're here. And uh, we appreciate all the work, Trey, that's been done on the trail out there as well. And so in the cans that, that, that are brought in each year from the scouts, please know we are grateful for that as well. Uh, it's a good morning to, to have you here. Good morning to have worshiped together. I didn't know if we would have to use the scripture where two or three are gathered this morning, uh, but I'm glad that, that you are here. Let's uh, close now with the, our uh, closing song. The Bond of Love is found at number 384, also on the screens and in your order of service. <laughs>